hide it under a bush. Oh, no! I'm gonna let it shine. Come on! You remember? Oh, don't let Satan it out. I'm gonna let it shine. Don't let Satan it out. I'm gonna let And you better delete that from the recording. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Oh, boy. What stays, what happens at Cornerstone stays. Oh, no, let it shine. That's right. Let it shine. Let it shine. Well, if you haven't figured it out yet, we're right in the middle of a series we started last week called The Light. Last week, we talked about Jesus being the light. Next week, we're going to talk about guarding the light, not to be confused with the guiding light, the soap opera. And this week, we're going to talk about we are the light. We have been given a light. When we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, His light, God's light, comes into us, and we are the light of Christ for the world to see. Three scriptures I want to, I mean, you're going to get a lot of scriptures, but three that I want to focus on. So if you can have multiple fingers in multiple places in your Bible or uh, you version, flip over there. But I want us to turn to Matthew chapter 5, Luke chapter 12, Luke 12, Matthew 5. Luke 12 and 1 John 4. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16 says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bush. Hide it under a bush? Oh, no! I'm going to let it shine. Neither do they put the lamp under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And now turn over to Luke chapter 12, Matthew, Mark, Luke, chapter 12. Starting with verse 35. It says, Be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning, as though you were waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. Then you'll be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth. He himself will seat them 
put on an apron and serve them as they sit and eat. He may come in the middle of the night or just before dawn, but whenever he comes, he will reward the servants who are ready. Understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, I don't like that, thief was coming, he would not permit his house to be broken into. Look over at verse 40 here. He also must be ready all the time. For the Son of Man will come when least expected. So Peter asked, Lord, is this illustration just for us or for everyone? And the Lord replied, A faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that that servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth. The master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this word that we're opening up today and ask for your wisdom, God, to properly discern your word and apply it to our life, God. We give you all the glory for that. Amen. He's telling us that we are the light of the world and we have a responsibility to keep that lamp burning. If you want to be a faithful, found a faithful and sensible servant when he returns, that's what you have to do. Light your lamp. Come to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. And then keep that lamp burning. Don't hide it under the table. Don't hide it under a bush. Don't let Satan get it out. Keep it burning so that the world can see your good deeds and praise God in heaven. And come to the Lord through you, through your light. How are we the light of the world? Each believer whose heart has been set ablaze by the fire of God, is like a lighthouse that shines for the welfare of those seeking spiritual shelter from the stormy turmoil of this temporal world. This is not anyone's final destination. And when people are trying to find who is the rescuer, who is the savior, who is the Lord, who is the creator, they look for your light to guide them back to the harbor. They have to see your light. Now over in 1 John chapter 4, not just regular John, there's a 1 John in the back. 1 John chapter 4, Starting at verse 7, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. 
Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Verse 13, we know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are little Jesuses. Christians are little Christ, little Jesuses. That's our responsibility. He is the light that was sent to the world. When we accept him as our Savior, he lights us up and then says, now go do what I've done for you. How are we the light of the world? First, by the love of God placed in us. When we surrender our life to God, he fills us with the fullness of his love. A complete love that saturates every area of our life. There is no place in your life that God doesn't want to light up. And that's what happens when we surrender our life to God. He puts his light in us. And that light shines into the very darkest places of our lives. Past, present, and our future. Because without him, there's no hope for our future. Without him, there's no forgiveness of our past. Without him, there's no hope for today. Purpose. When we accept him into our life, he lights up past, present, and future. Turns on the little light in our lamp and then sends us out into the world and says, Now go, shine your light. How are we the light of the world? By the love of God. 2 Corinthians 4, 5, and 6 says, For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. God places his light in us 
in us. How do we, uh, how are we the light of the world? One, by the love of God. Two, by the love we have for each other. By the love we have for each other. If I was to shut off all the lights in here and just turn on one lamp, it'd give a little light. But when I turn on all the lanterns, it gives off more light. The more lights that come together, the bigger the illumination is. But if we all say, I don't need you, I don't need you, I can do this on my own, you might affect a little area, maybe. But as a matter of fact, like we learned in class this morning, you can't be part of the body and not be part of the body. So you can't do life on your own and expect to be part of the body. Your light can't shine any brighter than it can when you're with the rest who are shining their light. So how are we the light of the world when we let God's love come in us and when we love each other? This comes from the overflow of God's love. I've said this before. When I was um, not submitted to God, I'll just say it that way, and I was doing life on my own terms, I hated people. Hated them with a passion. I didn't like talking to people. I didn't like looking at people. As a matter of fact, I thought most people, when they looked at me, that meant it's time to fight. I just, I didn't care. I had no care for them. I mean, that's how twisted the enemy is in your purpose. God created me for this place that I'm at. To be a pastor, a shepherd, a, a person who loves people, who wants to get them close to God. And the enemy said, oh, I see that. Let's twist that. And so when I first gave my heart back to the Lord and I'm, I'm coming back to you and I kept feeling his love coming in me and I kept hearing him say, now share that with other people. I'm like, I don't even like that person. Why do I have to love them? I don't like them. I don't like any of them. They can all do this on their own. I'll do this on my own. They can do that on their own. But the more I let his love come in me, it was his love flowing through me that enabled me to love others. Love others as I have loved you. As. Let's just look at a few scriptures. First John, I mean, all, first John, second John, third John, they're all just, full. well, I mean, what have we said over and over again? This whole Bible can be summed up in one word. It's love. It's all about love. But in 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 and 7 says, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light in him. There is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie. And do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. When? When we have fellowship with each other. 1 John 2, 9 and 11 says, Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates 
a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. I like that. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. 1 John 4, 19-21 says, We love because He first loved us. We can love because we first accept His love in us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. They don't mix words here. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they can see cannot love God whom they cannot see. And he has given us this command, not suggestion, command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. This is not a pick and choose option. Christianity isn't a buffet table that you can choose what you want and just kind of disregard the rest. John 13, 34 says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. You must love one another. And by this, by this, everyone will know you are my disciples if, if you love one another. I believe too many Christians are making excuses for not loving others the way we are commanded to. Picking and choosing who they will or will not love. I can't find that anywhere in the scripture. No. And as a matter of fact, when I studied a few scriptures where it says as, and I might even do a whole series just on the word as, Love others as I have loved you. Forgive others as I have forgiven you. If you go the opposite way on that, God can only love you as much as you love others. God can only forgive you as much as you forgive others. Oh, that's heresy. Don't preach that. It's there. How much can you love others is dependent on how much God's love is in you, through you. And then he says, you prove your love to me by how you love others. They'll know you're my disciples by how you love each other. I mean, I remember I, I was raised in church. Church had a big split, whatever. Anyway, they all went their own way. We all went our own way. All did our own thing. Uh, Christianese, it's called backslidden. I don't know what backslidden, backslidden. I don't know. Anyway, anyway, I have to think about that one later. We all, yeah, we all went our own way. Anyway, for me to think that my forgiveness hinges on how I forgive others. That my love for others is what proves my love for God. Was a hard concept for me to work through when I came back to the church. 
And as a matter of fact, Jesus said, you know what? When they asked him what was the greatest scripture in all this word, all this word, all these commands, 600 and some extra commands beside just the Ten Commandments, what's the greatest? Love. He said, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love others as you love yourself. And let me just pause here for a minute because I believe this is where we get stuck. Because when I came back to the church, I did not like myself. I hated to look at myself in a mirror. So it was easy for me to hate others. I hated myself. It was hard for me to accept the love of God because I couldn't love myself. It was hard for me to accept the forgiveness of God because I couldn't forgive myself. You see how the word as is the hinge between these things. We're supposed to love as, love others as we love ourselves. Love others as God loves us. But we want to become our own little islands. And, well, you, Brenda, you don't know what kind of person I've been. You, you, don't, you don't know what I struggle with now. How many people have a hard time, let's just say, thinking well of yourself all the time? Yeah, it, it's a huge issue. We always feel like we can't meet the standard, live up to, that every time we get close to the bar, the bar moves again. You know, it's like, ah. Love others as. You can't love others. You can't do this. You can't, you can't even really fully get your light shining properly until you let God's love fully, fully come into you. That means you are going to have to forgive yourself so God can forgive you. You're going to have to love yourself just the way you are. All the pimples, all the moles, all the cellulite, all the lumps and bumps and, you know, gray hairs. All your past, all your failures, all your current failures, all your current hang-ups. Just the way you are right now. Fully, completely and it almost sounds <laughs> stupid, but love yourself. I love myself. Let's all hug ourselves. Oh, I love myself. You liar. We all say that, but I'm talking about really accepting that. Truly forgive myself. Yeah, I messed up. I messed up. I messed up. I messed up. I mess up. I mess up. I mess up. But I'm not going to kick myself. I'm not going to wallow around in the mud. I'm going to pick myself up. The Bible says a righteous man may fall a thousand times. And I think the word in a day should have been. But he keeps picking himself back up. Mess that one up. Okay, let's try again. Keeps going. Not gonna go, I'm not going to wallow around that. Oh, I'm so horrible. I'm a worm. I'm horrible. 
Lord, how do you even love me? I'm terrible. That's pride. No, it's not. It's humility. No, that's pride. That's focusing on yourself. It's a false humility. Do you know, I know I've spoke this a hundred times too, but when I've done all I can for my kids, given them all I can, and as a matter of fact, as a parent, I would hold no good gift back from them. I want to give them everything and take care of them and love them. So if their shirt's untucked and I want to tuck it, tuck in your shirt. You know, you kiss them, you love them. Jacob, you want me to come kiss you? You want everything, just perfect. You just love them. What do you feel when your child complains about what they don't have or have? Or I'm just horrible. I know that was the biggest one, and I feel like we just finally started to get it right as, you know, the last two in the house, that when they do make a mistake, we do discipline, we do punish, we do discipline, whatever you want to call it, but then it's over. And I have to remind them constantly, don't mope around the rest of the day. It's over. We did it. You did it. You made a mistake. We dealt with it. There's your punishment. Now go and be happy. And they're like, what? Happy? What? Yes. It's over. It's done. Yeah, you won't have video games for the rest of your life. No, I'm just kidding. You know, for whatever set amount of time. But go. you have a thousand other things. Go play with them. Go have fun. It was hard for them to do that. It's hard for us. When we make a mistake, man, we want to be out. You know, count us out. We're done. We messed up. God says, are you sorry for that? Ask me to forgive you. Yes, I forgive you. Now pick yourself up and go on. Does his love for you diminish in any way? Can his forgiveness ever be vexed? Can it ever lack? Can he ever run out of forgiveness for you? Can he ever run out of love for you? No. We, our flesh, our enemy, wants to keep us down. Don't get, if I could have showed a Rocky video, I would have, but, I mean, they all get me motivated. They're like, get up! You need more of those cheerleaders around you. You know, I just had to say to my oldest boy, he's like, geez, Mom, I thought I could tell you anything. I said, yeah, but I love you enough. I'm going to tell you the truth. Do you want me to love you enough to tell you the truth or just smile and nod? That's nice. Boy, he's going to mess that one up. No. He goes, no, I know. Sometimes it's hard. Yeah. But I know that we can all make mistakes. God knows we'll all make mistakes. He did not think. There is nowhere in his mind, in the word, where he said, the minute I come into their life, perfection will then take place. He's come into a human body. He knows what's in us. He knows what we're going to do before we've even figured out what we want to do. And he's made provisions for them things. Now, are we going to make him excuse? Well, I can just sin all I want since he knows. No. Could you imagine your child saying that to you? Oh, no. No. 
I can fix your circumstances to, well, not allow you to sin. Anyway, that's where most of us stumble. I believe that's where most of us battle, is that ability to accept all of God's love, all of God's forgiveness. And until we can do that, we can't learn. We can't even begin to forgive others as God's forgiven us, to love others as God loves us, until we accept that. So how are we the light of the world? One, by the love of God in us and by the love we have for others. And how do we keep our lamps burning? There's a great illustration in the Bible. It's called the, the, the story of the parable of the ten virgins who were given lamps, lanterns. But it was their choice to pick up the oil that was going to keep the lanterns burning until the bridegroom came back. It was their job. Now, I've given you a lantern. I've given you a light. Now, it's your responsibility to keep it burning till I come back. And only five were wise enough to take up the oil. Take up the oil. Over and over again, the Holy Spirit's referred to as the oil. The oil of God, the oil of the anointing. The oil of the Holy Spirit is the only thing that will keep that lantern, that light burning bright until Jesus comes back. You have to have the Holy Spirit in you. Down in Matthew's commentary of the scripture, I was just paraphrasing for you, that's found in Matthew 25. Matthew Henry's commentary on these ten virgins there was five wise and five foolish, the five foolish that didn't take any oil for the lamps, that then attacked the five wise ones when they knew that their lamps were starting, their light was starting to go out. They're like, give us some of your oil. And the wise ones said, if I, we give you some of we won't have enough. And then all ten of us will be left in the dark. You, you should um, go buy your own. Go get your own. You can take someone only so far, but then they have to take of the oil themselves. They have to take their own oil up to be able to keep their light shining. Matthew Henry's commentary on this says, Their chief concern is to have lights in their hands when they attend the bridegroom, thus to do him honor and do him service. Christians are children of light. The gospel is light, and they who receive it must not only be enlightened by it themselves, but must also shine as lights to the world. They must hold it forth. The foolish ones have a lamp of profession in their hands, but have not in their hearts the oil of power. The sound knowledge, the rooted dispositions, the settled resolutions, which are necessary to carry them through the services and trials of our mission here on earth. We must have the Holy Spirit in order to fulfill our service, our mission, which is the great commission. 
to do what we've been called to do, which is to go into all the world and preach the gospel, making disciples of all nations and teaching them to do all that we're commanded by Jesus to do. That's the Great Commission. We weren't given a light to set it in our little corner of the world and hold on till Jesus comes. Now, I am not saying that this is a good movie, but when I was putting this message together, I was remembering the, the movie The Titanic. Remember however many years ago that came out? One scene when the ship was going down and they realized we don't have enough lifeboats. What went through your mind? Now, I know you all watched it anyway, or you know the story. Eh, basically the same thing. A lot less boobies, though. You notice that? Anyway, anyway. Yeah, oh, la, 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 la. And she said, boobies from the podium. Anyway, when the people who got in the lifeboats were only concerned about themselves, what did you think about them people? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we need to have more room. So, you know, we could squeeze in 10, 20 more people, but we need room. I like to spread out. I like my seat. And I need to have more area around here. I like it like this. What did you think about those people? Yeah. Selfish, self-centered Hope you drowned. I know I wasn't the only person yelling that. Hope you drowned. No, bat. No, stop that. Love of Jesus. Love them. Drown them slowly. Anyway, baptize them. Hold them down. Anyway, under the water. But so many Christians do that. Boy, we get our light in our lantern. We get in the lifeboat. We're good. Matter of fact, don't change the lifeboat. I like it just the way it is. I like my seat just the way it is. I like the temperature just this so and, our, and the wind in my hair. Oh, other people drowning beside me. Oh, they should have gotten the boat sooner. I'm sorry for them. Really, that's where we are. Too many Christians are sitting in their lifeboats. Just focusing on keeping my little, this little light of mine. Except you're not hiding under a bush. Oh, no, you're like hiding under a bush so nobody blows it out. Don't blow out my light. You want to see it? Peep. There you go, peep show. Hey, you went to a peep show on Sunday. Oh, boy. Delete that one from the audio, too. I did not flash anyone. But you all thought that. When I came back to the, I did not want to go back to the church because I believe the church was full of hypocrites, judgmentals. They're all holier than thou. Yeah, self-right. I am, they were all in the lifeboats, didn't want to make room for anybody else. I am certainly not going to push my way in there. Remember, I didn't even like people. Why would I want to sit beside somebody who I know don't like me? They'll know you're my disciples by how you love one another. I was so encouraged when I had uh, 
Linda making phone calls to our guests from last week and heard that the one person said, I just love how I walked in the door and immediately felt welcomed. I said, that's it. That's when we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. Love each other. We're all together loving each other. Then they'll know you're my disciples. Ephesians 5, starting at verse 8, says, For you were once in dark. We were all once in darkness. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget that. We were all once in darkness, but now you are in the light, in the Lord. So live as children of the light. Verse 13 says, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. I like that. You cannot help but be a light when God first comes in you. You actually have to work to hide your light. You don't have to work to be a light. He says you will be a light. You are a light. Verse 15 says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, don't be like the foolish, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, which means just a, no rules. Woohoo! There's no rules in aisle seven. Isn't that what that commercial says? Sorry. Anyway, instead, listen, this is very important. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. That actually means be being filled. Be being filled. Even if we go back to the story of the ten virgins, if they only hold on to that, canister of oil and never go back to the vat of oil and fill it up again, we'll run out. He's telling us to continually be being filled. There's not a, I received the Holy Spirit once, and I'm not going to get into all the, uh, the big discussion today. I'm just trying to remind you, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Continue more, Lord, more, Lord. I always pray that more, Lord, more, Lord. There is always more. And he wants to constantly give you more, but you've got to open up more, Lord, more, Lord. Continue. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. You will be my light. We all have a part to play in fulfilling the Great Commission. I've said this before. So you might not be the Coast Guard person that goes out into the sea and drop down with the helicopter and get in the water and lift them back up and, and go back to the harbor. You might be the nurse that attends to them when they get to the harbor that helps bandage up their wounds, that helps take them to the next person to help them get build up. It takes them to the cook. You might be the cook that makes them food, that nourishes them physically so that spiritually they can receive the spiritual food. You might be the teacher that helps teach them all that Jesus commanded us to do. 
You might be the captain of one of the lifeboats that are going out there, though. You might be the one holding the life ring. You might be the one casting the net. Everybody has a part to play. I, I hear, I can't stand it. Well, I've done my time. What is this, prison? Church is like a prison. I've done my time. Well, then go on. Go on. If you've done your time and this is like a prison, then you're free. Go ahead. Go somewhere else. But we have a part to play. And as a matter of fact, if you still have breath in your lungs, Jesus himself says you still have a part to play. Because if your time is done, I think he'll take you home. So if you still have breath in your lungs, you have a part to play in this great commission. Oh, but you don't know. God knows it all. You know what? I got this picture when I was worshiping that we come to Jesus, the great light. We say, God, fill us with your light. He fills us with his light and immediately, sorry, I'm a very visual person. And he gives us this little bitty lantern. And he puts his loving little foot on our caboose and says, now go. Here's my, my life. I asked Jesus in my heart Sunday. And we just want to run back to the light. He says, no, go. But as we come back to him and we say, I I shined my light, Jesus. He says, oh, I'm going to give you a bigger light. Oh, here we go. And this little guy says, you know what? I like that light. Where can I get one of my own? Come on. And he picks up one of his. And Jesus goes, here you go again. Oh, yay. I, you know, I can do this. Hey, lady, you need a light. Hey, you need a light. You see this light of mine? There's one for you over there. Come on. Follow me. Follow me. It's a light onto my path. He has, oh, be careful. Oh, the door has swung open. Look at, he's calling you in. Come into the light. <laughs> Close that door. He has a light. But we want to say, you know what? Our light is so beat up. It's so... He don't see it like that. He don't. And the more we stop trying to perfect our light ourselves and just carry the light out there, I was... Should I share that? Just a minute. I tell on myself, Lord, why do you do this to me? Too honest. I don't like this. But I was not still a good person. When I come to the Lord, I was not beautiful. But God said, just shine the light I gave you. And I'll keep adding to that. And I'll keep perfecting that. Don't you worry about that. See, when we turn our attention onto now, we've got to clean ourselves up to be a light for Christ. Pride 
your focus is now on yourself. Where's Jesus in that? If you can make yourself righteous, why did he have to die? I don't like to hear people saying, well, I need to do this, I need to do that before I can start getting involved in church. Really? Really? That don't make any sense to me. I got hammered over and over again. When I first knew I was called to the ministry, I was grabbing everybody off the streets I could find, and I was putting them to work in the church. And I had the board drag me in. What are you doing? Do you know what that person does? Yeah. You don't think Jesus knows what that person does? But you know what? I had a pastor of a non-denominational church. I was still living with my boyfriend. Oh, Lord Jesus, help me. Here we go. I was still doing drugs. But I I came to the altar and fully gave my life to the Lord because the pastor loved me enough to give me something to do in the church. I soldered wires together at the soundboard. I cleaned the bathroom. I hung out at the church. Every time I could think of, because if I wasn't going to hang at the church, I was going to hang in the world. And he let me do things, not because I was good enough to do them, but because I totally knew Jesus put his light in me and I just want to do something. If I just focused on waiting, if I was still focused on waiting until I was all perfect, I would not be here. Because I ain't perfect. Hush up over there, Brian. I heard that, amen. Clear up here. I heard that, amen. None of us. Paul said, I have not yet attained. The one man I could say, disciple, that I could say, what? You, Paul, you have not attained perfection in Christ? No. But he said, I beat my body. You will not stop. I can see. I'm a very visual person. You cannot stop me from doing what God's called me to do. I don't care. I'm going anyway. You have to talk to your body. You're not going to slow me down. I got a mission to do. It would help, Lord, if you dropped off 20 here and 20 here. I could do this quicker. But I got to beat my body, Paul said, into submission. Tell, get behind me. Oh, I, maybe I said that too much, and that's why it's over there. Sin back there. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Anyway, that's what it is. But you control how much your lantern will burn bright. Because you have to pick it up and you have to take it back. Get more oil. I'm going out again. What's the famous quote by the life-saving stations? You have to go out, but you don't have to come back. You know, if we're saved, we have to go out. We have to shine our light. We have to tell people Jesus is the Savior of the world. We don't have to come back. We've got our eternal home secure. What can the world do to us? Nothing. I want to close today by taking up communion. The Bible encourages us to examine ourselves 
before we take communion. And communion, what we do at the Assemblies of God and at Cornerstone here is once a month, the first Sunday of every month, we take communion. We take this time to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, the love that God showed us by sending us his one and only son. But it's a time for us to examine ourselves. Remember, refocus. What a perfect time to refocus. God, am I truly loving others as you have loved me? Am I truly forgiving others as you have forgiven me? Am I doing, am I carrying my light as you commanded me to? To refocus. So as the ushers come up and start handing out the elements, I want to encourage you right now, right where you're at, sitting there, I want you to just start examining yourself and talk to God. He knows. He knows. God, I haven't been loving others like you've commanded me to. God, I have a hard time loving myself. Why, Lord, can I not just open up right now today and just receive all of your love for me? God, I have a hard time forgiving myself. Please let your forgiveness flow in me today. Today. Take time right now as these ushers are handing out these elements to examine yourself. 